your financial decisions sometimes aren't just based purely on the numbers. You can't put a value on peace of mind. Welcome to the Smart Money Mama Show, where moms get real about money to help you find your financial confidence and live your best life. Now let's talk money, mamas. Hey there, I'm your host, Chelsea Brennan. And mamas, today on the show, we're talking to Kamiko Love from The Budget Mom. Many of you may already be familiar with Miko. She's a single mom who has fought her way out of $77,000 in debt. She's an accredited financial counselor, and her Instagram account at The Budget Mom has almost 500,000 followers. She's built a large community that empowers women to take control of their financial lives. And you know how much I love that. Today, we're going to talk about Miko's journey, how her money mindset played a major role as she paid off debt and started to reach for bigger goals, what financial security and independence means for her, and then we'll dive into her process for starting your own debt freedom journey. She's so inspirational, and I'm really excited to share her story with you. As always, stick around until the end of the show to hear my top three takeaways from the episode, or you can head to smartmoneymamas.com forward slash Kamiko, K-U-M-I-K-O, for the complete show notes and to download your free debt payoff plan worksheets. Are you ready, mamas? Let's get started. Hey, Miko, how are you? Good. How are you doing? Good. We got to watch a really fun video from you fairly recently about a big money milestone you just achieved. Can you tell us about that? Yes. So I just achieved buying my dream home with cash. That is amazing. Congratulations. Thank you. What did that feel like for you and your son? It was probably one of the most emotional days of my life. I think for the first time, besides when my son was born in a really long time, I couldn't even describe the feelings that I was feeling. In fact, I even had to stay off social media for a couple of days just because anytime I thought about it or even talked about it, it was just tears because I literally couldn't process the emotions. <laughs> and your son is nine or 10, right? He's actually seven. Oh, he's seven. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't know how I got that screwed up in my head. But <laughs> So was he old enough to understand how big of a deal this was for you and for him? Yeah, definitely. You know, my son... He has really been a part of this journey from day one. When I started saving for my home, my son was about three and a half, four years old at that time. And so he's been old enough to watch me and understand a little bit of the process. You know, he understood that mommy's working long hours to achieve something. So he did and does understand. And that was the one thing that I wanted him to take away from this journey and to really witness is if you really put your mind to something, if you work really hard for something, if you put your whole heart into something that you can really achieve anything. And I'm, I'm just blessed and fortunate he got to experience and witness that with me. I love that so much. That's amazing. So Miko, your journey didn't start here, right? With being able to buy a home in cash. Can you tell us what your early money story was? Yeah. So I actually started working in the finance industry right after I graduated college. And at that time, you know, I was making about $24,000. And my story is, you know, I was married once. We were blessed and fortunate to pay off our credit cards and some medical debt during that time. And then all of a sudden, you know, life hits and the unexpected hits and I went through a divorce. And in that time, I had to depend on credit cards to be able to start my life again. And with that need, essentially, bad spending habits kind of trickled its way back up to the surface. Um, I was spending money to make myself feel better. You know, 
Throughout my journey, I dealt with self-confidence issues, but more than ever, I would say during my divorce, I felt guilt. And because of that guilt, it caused me to spend a whole lot of money that I didn't have trying to compensate for putting my son through this traumatic experience. You know, I felt just overwhelming weight of, oh my gosh, I just traumatized my son and it's never going to be the same. I was so scared that he would lose, you know, so much of his happiness and his personality through this experience. You know, as a mom, you think the absolute worst. Absolutely. It kept me up at night. And so I had a pile of debt, credit card debt, student loan debt, a car loan on top of, you know, making minimum wage, just getting out and working in the finance industry. Um, So that's really where I started. And Miko, we talk a lot here about the emotional journey of money and our money stories. So I'm curious, as you started to start budgeting and start getting a hold of your money, what came first? Did you decide to get a handle on the money or were you starting to do the self-work of what was causing these situations? I think it was a little bit of both. You know, my first experience with the budget is when my financial advisor sat me down and said, you need to create a budget. And that was the first time in my life I realized the overall big picture of my debt problem. Mm-hmm. And I started to understand and learn how debt works, right? Interest rates. And then all of a sudden I felt anger. I felt a tremendous amount of anger towards myself for putting myself in that situation and essentially losing so many opportunities in my life that I had to say no to because I was drowning in debt. When my son was born, that was one of the moments in me where it was a complete mindset shift. It was no longer just wanting to figure out my finances. I had to. I had an overwhelming amount of responsibility that I've never felt before. I was now responsible for another little human being. And so all of a sudden it became this drive to really figure it out. On top of that, though, being fueled by anger, being fueled by this, like, no, this is not going to be my life. I don't want to struggle. I don't want to have a life where I struggle as a single mom, where I'm missing out on opportunities with my son because I have to rely on debt to make those memories. I don't want that. And so that's what really, I think for me was my turning point. That's a huge motivator, right? We hear it all the time from moms of whether it's getting their finances in order or pursuing a career they never thought they could, right? Kids make us want to provide for them and to live up to our best selves. I'm curious though, at some point did that shift, your motivator shift from anger to more positive emotions? Because we hear sometimes that when it's anger, you get that slide back, right? You don't want to live in that place anymore. So you have to shift things up. So did that shift happen for you? It did. You know, I really shifted into a mindset of gratitude. All of a sudden, I really started to see hope. Mm. Every single time I would hit a small goal. Now, I'm not talking about huge contributions to savings or making a huge debt payment. I'm talking about, all right, I saved hundred dollars this month by, you know, saving all of my $5 bills, or, you know, I cut my food budget back by 50 bucks this month. Every single time I accomplished those, I started to figure out my strength. I started to figure out my confidence again, and not just me as a mom, but as a person. And I think when I was married and when I went through that divorce, I lost a lot of that self-confidence in myself. I lost a lot of my strength through that journey. So that was me every single time I hit a goal, 
all of a sudden I found hope, which turned into, you know, for me, motivation and happiness. For the first time in my life, I could see the end result. I could feel it. I could literally dream about it. And so I think that anger, it was always kind of in the pit of my stomach driving me. But at the same time, I think that mindset shift to finding hope and self-confidence in myself, I think really was a shift as well. Absolutely. Can you tell me a little bit about what those rewards looked like when you made, you know, made little bits of progress? I know that there's a narrative out there sometimes that we have to go 100% at our debt all the time, no matter what, and that can cause some scarcity. So what did those rewards look like for you? That's one of the first things I learned on my journey. I was never going to be successful at paying off my debt if I gave up everything in my life that brought me happiness. Mm. Because here, look, a debt payoff journey is not just about the numbers. It is not just about the amount of payments that we make. It's about managing our money in a way where we don't rely on debt in the future. And it took many years for me to grasp that concept. And one way that we go about doing that is we don't give up our real lives to get there. I still wanted to celebrate birthdays with my son and give him Christmas presents. I still wanted to travel with my boyfriend and have those moments and memories in our lives. There were certain things that I wasn't willing to give up. And it's funny because all along my journey, I documented my reward system. So I'm a big believer in the reward system along the way. What does that mean? It means finding, and this all has to do with that mindset shift of finding gratitude. It's finding the small things in our lives. It doesn't have to be expensive. It doesn't have to be outrageous. For a long time, that for me was $1 Cokes from McDonald's. <laughs> it brought me happiness. It was a small reward I could do for myself. And it's funny because people think, well, Miko, it's only a $1 Coke. But you do it time and time again in your life. You start to have a different money mindset. All of a sudden, it's because... When you're on a debt payoff journey, there's a reason why you're fighting. There's a reason why you want to pay off your debt. Don't forget that. And a lot of the time when people go hardcore 100%, they forget why they started the journey in the first place. And for me, I didn't want to lose sight of that. So it was $1 coat for McDonald's. It was a, you know, a morning Starbucks run a couple times a month. It was taking my son out for ice cream a couple times a month. Small rewards where all of a sudden I could sit back and say, you know what? I didn't use my credit card for this. I am thankful for that. I am making progress. And that's how my mindset shifted. That's amazing. We hear too sometimes when people get super focused on the debt journey that once they pay off the debt, they don't know what to do next, right? They're very stuck of like, well, this was my big monster and now I'm not fighting it anymore. So once you paid off the debt, what was the next thing you started working towards? Financial goals. So I knew that when I paid off debt, I did not want to be one of the people that said, oh my gosh, I have all this extra income and extra money. I'm going to go out and spend it carelessly. I knew and saw it as an opportunity to fund other important financial goals to ultimately get me to my end goal was having a life with my son where I could seize opportunities without relying on debt. And in order to do that, that meant many different things. It meant me retiring early. It meant me buying my house with cash. It meant many different things. So the first thing I knew I had to do was, okay, the debt is gone, but that doesn't mean I stop. 
What are other financial goals in my life that I need to obtain and reach to get me to my end goal? Financial freedom, the life that I want, the life that I'm fighting for. And so I reanalyze my financial goals, reprioritize them by importance. And then I dedicated how much money to set into each one of those goals. So I knew exactly when I got my paycheck where my money needed to go. And Miko, some of these big goals that you've rattled off here, you know, getting out of debt, retiring early, buying your home in cash. So these are so much security and freedom goals. So what does financial security mean to you? Financial freedom and security means to me a couple of different things. You know, when people hear me say retire early, they're like, oh my gosh, don't leave the budget, mom. You know, I, I always want you to be here. It doesn't necessarily mean never work again. It means never having to work another day again if I don't want to. Mm. So security to me means having options. It's having choices. The freedom to choose how I want to pay for something or what opportunities to seize. You know, another thing, you know, for me, I think, too, that with financial freedom, so much of it, the word financial freedom is kind of clouded when we have debt. It's almost like we say it out loud, but we don't really grasp it. Financial freedom, you know, retiring early and security, it's the freedom to choose. And you used to work in the financial services industry. Um, You're an accredited financial counselor. And I think that we would hear in that space, I used to be in that world as well, that buying a home in cash was a poor financial decision, right? You get those people of like, well, no, you need to, you know, (laughs) do the arbitrage and invest the rest. So why was cash important to you? So here's the thing, you know, it's funny because when I announced to the world that I was going to buy not just any home, but my dream home, my forever home, not a fixer upper, not an equity investment, but my dream home with cash, I literally got hate mail for like two weeks. Oh my gosh. People didn't understand or grasp the reasons behind my decisions. But here's the thing. Your financial decisions sometimes aren't just based purely on the numbers. Mm. You can't put a value on peace of mind. And because I just got done paying off all of my debt, I knew immediately that I no longer wanted debt to be a part of my life in any shape or form. That means with my business, and that means in other areas of my personal life as well, including a huge asset like a home. Because I am self-employed and I'm quote unquote an entrepreneur, Getting up every day and realizing that supporting your family and providing for them is completely solely dependent on you. That's a lot of weight to carry every day. A lot. A lot. And I knew that my income and in, in the life that we live is dependent on my business scared the crap out of me. And I didn't want a huge mortgage hanging over my head, God forbid, if something did happen to my business. And so Ultimately, here's the thing, though, when I made the decision to buy my home with cash, I never thought it was possible. It was a thought I had in my head, but I didn't really pull the chain until another blogger reached out to me. She goes, Miko, you have this amazing business. You work extremely hard, harder than anyone I know. Why aren't you buying this in cash? For some reason, when she said that, a light switch went off in my head and I said, you know what? I can do this. It's going to take a long time. It's going to take a lot of hard work and dedication, but I can do this. Yeah. 
when that happened to me, this level of peace that I found in my gut, in my heart, I knew that that was the right road and journey for me. And so that's kind of what my process looked like. That's awesome. And I love that someone else reached out and supported you in your choices Mm -hmm. um, and knowing what was what you wanted and encouraging you to do it. That's amazing. Let's talk for a minute about the budget mom and how this played into your financial journey. The budget mom has been the biggest blessing in my life. It is the number one reason why I am here. You know, people ask me all the time, Miko, how did you pay for a house in cash? But there's not just one answer. It was many different things, you know, finding a budgeting method that I could be successful at and implement a realistic budget into my life, learning to manage my money properly, learning those skills and really developing those skills over time, and then starting and owning my own business and being able to make income in many different forms. You know, it's funny because I never started the budget mom to make a dollar. In fact, when I started this journey, I had no idea that you could (laughs) even do this. (laughs) Um, And I did it to build a community. I did it to find a tribe, other moms who knew my struggles that I could talk to on a daily basis to get some of what my thoughts and, you know, my struggles off of my shoulders. I just wanted to hear someone else say, Miko, I know how you feel. And so for it to turn into this amazing, successful business where I'm able to help people and wake up literally every day and do what I'm passionate about, you know, something that I live and breathe for is absolutely amazing. That is such a blessing. And Miko, I think that there's a ton of moms listening to this right now that are encouraged and excited, right? They're inspired by what you're talking about. But just like you feeling like you couldn't pay for house in cash, they don't feel like they can get out of debt or they don't feel like they can start a business that they love. So what advice or insight do you have for them to get started? A first thing I would tell them is you are capable of anything. If you want something bad enough, you literally have the strength and capability to do anything that you want to do. That said, yes, you are working towards a huge goal. Break it down. Break it down into realistic goals that are achievable right now. So when I started my home goal, I came out and said, I need to save $400,000. But that's not where I focused on. I focused on this week, I'm going to save $200 because that's what I can do now. Mm -hmm. When I started my business, I had no idea how to even write an article or website coding or all this. So what did I do today? I'm going to learn a little bit about photography Today, I'm going to learn a little bit more about this industry that I'm kind of want to dive into. Every day, I would give myself an achievable task, a realistic goal. Once you start achieving those small goals, all of a sudden, you will find yourself telling yourself every day more and more, I got this. If I can do that. And here's the thing. I want them to document their journey because what happens is, I documented my journey through visual trackers since the very beginning. And when I felt down and I felt hopeless and I felt like, you know what, I can't do this. I would look back at my trackers and all of a sudden it said, I said to myself, if I can do that, if I can accomplish all that, well, then you know what? Today's a new day and I can do today and I can do tomorrow. So that's the advice that I would give. 
Trackers are so valuable because I think when we have those setbacks, we think, well, what's the point? And we can go back to the trackers and be like, well, actually, I've come a really long way and this set me back a little bit, but I'm still way ahead of where I was and I need to keep going. So trackers are really amazing because over such a long time frame, it's hard for us to see our overall progress just because of how long the time frame is. But they're so super important when we want to look back, because like you said, it really does show us our progress over that time. Yeah. So Miko, you have your own budget system, the three-step budget system. Can you walk us through what those three steps are for people that are going to start their debt payoff journey? Yeah. So one of the first things I realized on my budgeting journey is that the monthly budget, you know, the normal budget that you see out there just didn't work for me. My mind didn't work that way. So I created a system called the budget by paycheck system. It literally incorporates other budgeting systems where I was super successful and it threw out all the rest. <laughs> Perfect. So yeah. So I have the calendar method, the paycheck method, and the envelope method all rolled in into a step-by-step budgeting process where people can create a realistic budget that works for their real lives. That's amazing. So what's the first step, right? So you're someone, you've just been spending, you haven't had a lot of experience tracking, or you've tried budgeting and just it didn't work. What's the first thing you should do? So the first thing that you need to do is you need to figure out where your motivation is going to stem from. And the first thing is figuring out your why. Now, I'm talking about your why should be something that's so important to you, you literally get emotional speaking about it because you need that emotional connection to your purpose in order for you to stay dedicated, especially on such a long journey. So that's a very step. I And I tell people to do that before they even start thinking about numbers. The second step is to track and categorize your spending and bringing awareness into your life. Now, it's not just financial awareness. It's also about honesty. We can ask ourselves the hard financial questions all day long, but if we're not answering those questions honestly, there's no point. Because very quickly, you'll realize that your financial journey is also a self-discovery journey. There cannot be just robot work done. Because if you just do the, the work of writing down numbers, I call it robot work, where you're not even really thinking, you're just doing it you're not going to learn the skills that you need to be successful in the future. And let's dive into that one for a second, because I think that especially with habits, right, we see parts of our budget that we think we just can't cut, right? They're absolute necessities. And when we get honest with ourselves, that might not be the case. So what are the questions we need to be asking as we look at these numbers to make sure we're paying more deep attention? So one of the first things that I ask myself You know, it happened to me at a department store, actually. I was in line, and I had a bunch of new clothes hanging over my hand. And I had to step back and ask myself, why am I here? Why am I spending money where I know deep down in my gut I don't have the money for? You need to ask yourself, how does this spending influence and how does it affect my life? Why am I feeling like it is important And from there, you'll start asking yourself, whatever the expense may be, you'll start asking other questions related to that expense. But the first step is asking, well, why? That's the first thing is a step back. Give yourself 30 seconds. And so that's what I would recommend. And I think it's a common narrative too, where, you know, there's the spending on ourselves when we're filling some emotional hole, but often with moms in our community, it's spending on their kids, 
right? And they're justifying it that way. What should we be asking ourselves to question that? Because the why can easily be, well, I love them and I want them to have everything they need. Well, for me, it was, I just want him to be happy, Mm. right? I went through that divorce and I was deathly afraid that he was going to be miserable. And so I think that the questions we have to ask is, what's more important? Is it things or is it something else like quality time? So one of the things that I realized with my son is that true happiness wasn't brought up for him by giving him things. It wasn't about buying things, even though in the beginning, that's what I thought. It was more of me being 100% present with him and spending that quality time with him and making memories with him. So we really have to ask, am I buying this because I'm compensating for some other feeling that I'm having? What's the true intention behind this? And once I figure that out, is there another way that I can incorporate and bring that into my life without buying? Absolutely. That makes sense. Okay. So we found our motivation. We're tracking and are categorizing our spending. What comes next? So the next thing is identifying your regular bills and your expenses. So it's all about looking at the bills like we feel like we have to pay every month. You may have to pay them, but you may not have to pay the amount that you think you do. That's a huge point. Yeah. So it's about cutting out and lowering expenses, about being an investigator, doing the hard work, you know, picking up the phone and making those phone calls and saying, hey, is there a more affordable plan that I can be on? And I say there's three things you can do with your regular bills. You can cut them, you can lower them, or you can keep them. It's about picking up the phone and figuring out what your options are. From there, it's figuring out your variable expenses. So when I ask people, what do you spend your money on? The number one thing they start doing is they start listing out their regular bills. We all know what bills we have to pay month after month because we do it like clockwork. Where we get messed up and the one question where people, it comes up is where did my money go? Like I got paid, where did it go? Well, that happens in an area of our budget that we call variable spending. And variable spending are things that fluctuate from month to month. So there are gas, there are food, there are clothing, there are fun expenses. So there's not one set amount like, say, your car payment would be where it's the same amount month to month. It's figuring out those variable expenses. And then from there, figuring out where your problem spending is. Mm. So for me, it was like, oh, my gosh, I'm overspending in food. Like that was my number one wake up call when I did this. It's amazing how common that is, right? And I think that we convince ourselves, well, we need to eat (laughs) and then it's really hard. Yeah. So I call it like the silent killer of budget because it's a necessity. But a lot of the time, because we think it's a necessity, it often turns into a want. Mm, Yes. We start throwing... (laughs) you know, soda and like chips and all these things that we don't really need into our cart because we think to ourselves, well, it's my grocery budget. (laughs) I got to have food, you know? I have to tell you, my four-year-old loves salmon locks with his bagels. And I'm like, we went for a little while. We're like, every week, my husband was picking up locks. I'm like, we cannot buy wild caught salmon for the three-year-old every week. (laughs) This is not a need. (laughs) Happens so quickly. Okay. So we're identifying our problem areas and getting a hold of them. And then is it doesn't matter just of sticking to it month to month and trying to pay attention? That's where the budget calendar comes in. The budget calendar, I call it the Bible of your budget because it does a couple of different things. Your calendar is not only, only going to list out your monthly expenses, but it's also going to help you incorporate your real life into your budget. 
So on our budget calendars, we're listing out holidays, events, you know, doctor's appointments. Anything you are spending your money on during that month needs to be included in your budget. And a lot of the time, it's things that we forget about. So we might have a birthday party planned at the end of the month, but we don't honestly think in our heads, well, that means I have to either bring a gift I have to spend money on a food item that I need to bring. I need to spend money on the gas to get there. There's a lot of different things that we don't think about. But when we take the time to write it down on our budget calendar and automatically implement that into our budget, then we are, we are financially prepared to not rely on debt or credit card when that event pops up. Absolutely. So after the budget calendar, the number one thing I tell my readers is, is that once you have that budget calendar in place and you can see where you're spending your money, next you need to prioritize your savings goals. So we did the hard work. We know where our dollars are going. We're bringing financial awareness into our lives. We are taking care of realistic budgeting using the budget calendar. Next, we need to figure out the number one thing I don't want people to do is get to a place where they have extra income in their budget and then go out and spend it carelessly. You work hard for your money. Make sure it's going to places where it's benefiting you the most. And that has to do with prioritizing your savings goals. Get those goals into your budget in order of importance. Then it's the paycheck bill tracker. So when I realized that I was not a monthly budgeter, I did not fit into that monthly box. I started budgeting my money every single time I got a paycheck. That was probably one of the biggest aha moments on my budgeting journey was giving myself grace and permission to do it differently. So that's the next step. And then from there is tweaking and perfecting. So question on the paycheck bill tracker. Mm -hmm. So what if you are someone that works a job that isn't a regular paycheck every two weeks, right? You might get paid, but that might have to last you four weeks or six weeks. How do you budget that appropriately? So most of the time, what I have seen is we have a couple of different scenarios. You get paid monthly, bi-weekly, you get paid on set days, or you're getting more of a commission-based paycheck, or you're getting like daily tips. If your income is fluctuating and you, it's literally different each time, you should always budget your income based on the worst case scenario or the least amount you expect to receive. It's better to budget off the worst than it is the best. Absolutely. The great thing with my system is that if you have different time periods between paychecks, maybe it's two weeks in the first month, maybe it's four weeks in the next one, that's a great thing about the way it's made out. You literally can plan and customize that to say, look, I have four weeks, I have to make this money last. Absolutely. Let's tweak and perfect this budget. Now, tweaking and perfecting your budget in the future is a big, huge step. And a lot of time it's overlooked. Your budget should be different every single time you create it. And why is that? It's because our lives are different every single time. Yeah. There's a big difference between a budget and a realistic budget. And what makes it realistic is making sure that that budget is being made around our real lives and the things that we have happening. And it's different every single day. It's different every single paycheck. We have different events, different expenses, and your budget should reflect those. Absolutely. So on our savings goals for a second, obviously we want to get out of debt, but there's other major kind of security-based goals. We need to think about emergency funds and planning for retirement and college expenses. So how do we build those in and how do we think about them with a cash-based budget? Because I think you use cash, correct? I do. Yes. So it's funny. I just, I just talked about this. Saving goals to me now, I am debt-free. 
So my savings goals look a little differently than someone who is paying off debt. Mm -hmm. When you are deciding whether to pay off debt or save for something, you have to think about the trade-offs. What are you giving up to do something else? So if you want to save money rather than put that money towards debt, you have to be okay with the trade-off of paying debt off at a slower pace because you're spending on something else. So the way I incorporate savings, especially as an all-cash budgeter or an all-cash spender, I save for holidays, events, in cash, in a little cash envelope. Those are my smaller, I call them short-term savings goals. Now, I also do save in separate savings accounts at my credit union, and I also invest. And each one and each different account that I save in is for different purposes. My investment goals are long-term goals. They're college fund savings. They're retirement goals. So when on my paycheck bill tracker, when you're listing out your savings goals, you're going to highlight different colors on those saving goals. Are you saving it in cash for a holiday or event? Are you going to make an online transfer into a separate savings account? Or are you going to invest it? And each one of those should be in different highlighter colors so you know exactly the action that you need to take in order to be successful with savings. And let's talk about one of the most common debates, trade-offs with the debt payoff journey, right? Which is the emergency fund first or debt. Did you do one or the other first? Did you split the difference? Emergency fund first. And in fact, in the very, very beginning, like the first couple of weeks, I said 200 bucks. I just wanted to see if I could hit just 200 bucks in my savings account. And when I hit that, I'm like, okay, I'm going to do the Dave Ramsey thing and I'm going to do $1,000. But something happened in my perspective on the emergency fund changed. I had my son. And I remember staying up one night thinking, what happens if something medically happened to my son? God, I wouldn't be able to pay. $1,000 isn't enough. I increased it to $5,000. And then just two years ago, I felt like that wasn't enough. And I increased it to three to six months worth of expenses. Yeah. I think that in order to be successful on a debt payoff journey, you have to have an emergency fund in place because a lot of the time our budget and our debt plans get derailed by things that pop up. You need to have a plan to take care of those things so your debt payoff plan doesn't get derailed in the process. And I think we're seeing that right now, right, with COVID-19 of people that thought $500 or $1,000 was enough and the debt was a bigger priority. And we realize how little that can really cover in a major emergency. Yeah, the COVID-19, this is going to be a huge wake-up call to a lot of us about how important saving is. But not only that, what we determine the value that we need to live on. Yeah. That is going to change. But this is also going to be a big, huge wake-up call for businesses. How important saving is to a small business, especially during this time. You know, a lot of small businesses, they rely on debt. And that is such a scary place to be, especially in a time like this, where we possibly need savings to pay employees and pay our rent for our facilities and all the day-to-day operations. So I think there's going to be a huge wake-up call as far as the perspective we have on saving money. Do you think it's going to change perspective at all in the work we do and how we think about employment? I think to a small extent, yes. I definitely think, you know, after this, it's going to be funny. So many of us are being forced to work from home right now. Mm -hmm. 
And I think that there are going to be, unfortunately, a lot of businesses, smaller businesses aren't going to come on, out on top of this, unfortunately. That's reality. But on the other end of the spectrum, I think this is going to give a lot of people the opportunity to pursue working from home and really taking that dive into maybe another direction of doing something that they have been wanting to do. And I think we were telling some people in our community that if you're enjoying at any level working from home right now, it'll be better when it's not in a crisis, when your kid is actually going to school, when you can go out to the coffee shop. Like this is intense levels of working from home. It is. It, 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 like through this interview right now, you could see like my struggle <laughs> with working from home. But I think that, look, when we get put into moments of struggle or frustration, it only builds skill. Mm, absolutely. Right? If we can be successful in a moment in time like this, Imagine what you can do when all of a sudden things become a little bit easier. <laughs> Absolutely. That's so true. All right, Kamigo, what do you wish all moms knew about money? I think that I really wish and hope that all mo- moms get to the level of understanding how important managing your money in a successful way is. A lot of time I feel like finances in the home is kind of put on a lower level than the rest of the priorities because it's a scary thing to deal with. It's something that a lot of us don't even want to look at. And so I hope through this interview and knowing how it could benefit you, I hope that, you know, more moms put more of an emphasis on priority of financial management. Absolutely. Very powerful. All right, Miko, this was amazing. But before we let you go, we have to have you try on our Smart Money Mama's sorting hat. The sorting hat is our version of the hot seat where a magical hat asks a question to reveal something about you. Are you ready? I, yes, I believe so. <laughs> <laughs> if you won the lottery tomorrow, what would you do with the money? Well, I would donate a good portion of it. There's a bunch of charities. I My heart is with the animals. And so there are some charities that I would definitely want to donate to. But then I think for me, I would love to travel. I would love to take like a year off. For me, I feel like life is too short. There's so many things that I want to see and cultures I want to experience. And so I think traveling would be a big part of that. Where's your first place you'd want to go that you haven't been before? Fiji. Absolutely. I don't even, it doesn't even matter. Fiji has been kind of on the top of my list for a long time. And in fact, I know this is going to sound crazy, but Hawaii, it's so close, but you're so close. I know it's so (laughs) close, but yet so far away. And I have never been. And I think what has kind of scared me in the past is I've heard how expensive it can be. And so I think that would be a trip that I would also experience with that money. I got to go on a charity trip to Fiji in high school. That was amazing. And it is a beautiful country. So I hope that you get to go. I hope so too. I hope one day. It's definitely on my bucket list. Awesome. Kamiko, where can people find you and follow up on The Budget Mom? So you can find a lot of our free resources on thebudgetmom.com. For more in-depth detail videos, you can check out my YouTube. And for my daily life videos, you can check me out on Instagram at The Budget Mom. Awesome. And guys, we will have the links to all of those things in the show notes. Kamiko, thank you so much for joining us. I hope we get to talk to you again soon. Yeah, thank you so much. Wow, mamas, how inspiring is Kamiko? 
I love how in the middle of the interview, she talked about finding a why that truly connects deeply with you and can even make you emotional. It's abundantly clear listening to Miko that she's found her passion in helping other moms embrace their finances. There is so much power, freedom, and security in getting out of debt and giving yourself more options. The space in your budget to pursue the things that are most important to you. As always, I've rounded up my top three takeaways from today's amazing episode to summarize the biggest things we learned from Miko that you can take into your own money journey. First, choosing not to take care of your money takes away important opportunities. When Kamiko first took a close look at her debt, she got angry. Not angry at the world, angry at herself for not realizing the cost of her debts and all the opportunities she was missing out on because she had to pay those debts. Miko has been able to grow her business, buy a home in cash, and is saving for financial independence and the option to retire early. Those things would not have been possible without her stepping up and engaging with her money. You can do anything you want in life. Not everything, but anything. As long as you don't shut the door on opportunities by spending outside your means or on things that aren't important to you. Second, all throughout your debt payoff journey, reward yourself. Complete deprivation isn't the path to success. Honestly, mamas, I'm so glad that Miko said this. Her $1 Diet Cokes at McDonald's may seem so minuscule to her, but to her, it was a way to treat herself, have gratitude for the little things, and remember to honor who she is and that the things that matter to her matter. When you first start a debt payoff journey, it's so easy to get tunnel vision, to believe that the only thing that matters is paying off your debt as quickly as possible. Forget awards, forget emergency funds, forget birthday presents. But here's the thing. Over time, that eats away at your self-worth. It makes you hate budgeting and you want to give up on the whole process since you're treating money as more important than yourself and your family. Decide on what little things bring you joy and figure out how to prioritize it. Those ice cream dates with your kiddos will feel so empowering when you know that the money work you're doing is letting you afford them without stress. And doing them less frequently usually means you appreciate them even more too. And finally, third, your money journey is a journey of self-discovery. Mamas, we talk a lot here about the emotional aspects of money. You might get motivated to pay off your debt or reach a financial goal out of fear or anger. But to grow in your journey, identify what you really want, and find peace and security with your money, you have to engage emotionally with it. What is freedom for you? What are your fears? What expenses do you have that really are only an effort to fill an emotional void? Treat each step of your journey as an opportunity to learn a little bit more about yourself. You'll find your confidence, connect with your passion and purpose, and be able to create a life you love and are proud of. You've got this. I want to thank Kamiko again for joining me on the show and sharing her inspirational story. And thank you for taking time out of your busy day to come hang with us for a while. If you're ready to dive deeper, you can find links to The Budget Mom along with your free copy of our debt payoff plan worksheets in the show notes at smartmoneymamas.com forward slash Kamiko, K-U-M-I-K-O. Keep talking money, mamas. I'll see you next time.